Thanks for joining us for another Family Life Today program brought to you Monday to Friday by Power to Change. I'm sure you'll hear something today that could give you a fresh perspective on your marriage or family situation. Be encouraged as we join Dave and Ann Wilson. So I'll never forget the day that you told me in the kitchen, this is 30 plus years ago, that I had an anger problem. I remember that was that a fun day. day. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those moments where... Where you didn't say, thanks, hon, for sharing that. I think maybe I do. <laughs> no, you know, I remember when you said, literally, I remember your words were, I don't want to bring anything up to you again because you just blow up in anger. In the moment, I didn't receive it. But the good thing about it is it forced me to go, do I have an anger problem? And the answer became yes. Well, you even went to God and asked that question. Yeah, and then I went to my guys that I did life with. And long story short, I started to investigate the root of my anger problem. And I discovered what it was because I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. I think as a parent, we have the same journey we need to take with our kids to help them, whether they're five years old or 15 or 18, know how to manage their anger. And so we've got a guy in the studio today, Gary Chapman, back at Family Life Today. Gary, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be with you. You're over there smiling at, at my anger problem. <laughs> yeah, I, you're laughing at my yeah. anger problem. That's making me mad right now, Gary. Um, but you've written about that in, you know, Love Languages book, which so many people know you from. And then, you know, recently you've written a book called Things I'd Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager. We've already talked a little bit about this. Um, and you shared that beautiful, heart-wrenching story about a moment where you blew up in anger with your son, Derek. But how do we wrestle with them to help them understand, like, I had to go on a journey, and I was 30-some years old, to understand anger and some of the root. How do we navigate that with our teenage kids? Well, you know, mismanaged anger destroys more relationships probably than mm. anything else between husband and wife or between parent and teenager. Mm. mismanaged anger. There's nothing wrong with anger. Anger, I believe, is a gift of God. The Bible says God is angry every day with the wicked. Mm. We get angry because we're moral creatures. And when we encounter something we believe to be wrong, we feel anger, and we should. But we have a lot of uh, what I also call distorted anger. We get angry because we don't get our way. Mm. And this is most common in the family. The teenager gets angry because they don't get their way. If we talk about anger, most families don't talk about anger. Right. Right. They've never had a discussion on anger. But have a discussion on anger, and let's say, let's learn how to handle anger in a positive way. And you do that with a teenager, you're doing a great service for the teenager because you're helping them understand the whole thing and learning how to do it. And they're going to need that when they get married. Mm. And how do we discover if there are underlying issues? If that teen is continually exploding and they're constantly saying, I'm so angry at you, but yeah. they're exploding when they're saying because they're so emotional. How do we deal with that? Or no, are they angry about this surface thing that they can't go to the party? Or is there something deeper? I think it's questions. Parents mm. ask questions of the teenagers, not when they're angry, but after an anger episode, you know, maybe the next day or the next afternoon, they'll tell you eventually. In fact, I, I've said to a father, why don't you ask your son, son, I've been thinking about how I could be a better father. And I'd like to ask you to give me some ideas on how I could be a better father. Your teenager will tell you. <laughs> they will tell you. And see, part of their anger is probably based on the fact that you're not doing these things that they're talking about. So if you ask questions and open yourself up 
for them to tell you how you could be a better mom or better dad, you'll likely discover what's lying underneath the surface. Mm. So if you ask your teenage son or daughter how I can be a better parent, and you don't like what they say, and you get angry, what is that saying? <laughs> it's saying you have an anger problem, too. <laughs> and see, that's the that's typically the deal. Yeah. If you ask yourself, where did my son learn this? <laughs> Chances are, if you look in the mirror, you may well see why they learned it. And I know when Ann said that to me, and I literally went, into my office and got on my knees and said, God, did you just speak? And he's like, I felt like he said, yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew if I don't get a grip on this now, it will be a legacy. It'll yeah. be something I pass on. And long story short is I realized, and when I used to preach on this, I would literally take an extension cord and wrap it around my waist and say, you've got to go find what that's plugged into. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. think it's your yeah. spouse. Yeah. yeah. You know, if I wasn't married to you, I wouldn't be... It, it may be somewhat that, but it isn't. Yeah. There's something you got to dig around and go find. And and obviously, as I search through my life, it's like, oh, I'm still mad at my dad mm-hmm. for walking out when I was seven with his girlfriend. Yeah. Here I am in my 30s. I need to go on a journey to forgive him. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a long story, and we've talked yeah. about it many times here. So I go on that journey. Again, thinking it would take a week because I'm a pastor, and I know Ephesians 4.32, <laughs> forgive as you've been forgiven. It took four or five years. Yeah. Before I actually got to the place where I gave up my right to punish him. So I went on this journey with forgiveness. How important is that in teaching our teenagers to forgive, to let go? I mean, I went on that journey. But now, you know, you've got a son or daughter who's 15, 16, and they've got forgiveness issues, maybe with you, maybe with other friends. How important is it to help them walk through a journey of forgiveness? Well, if they don't learn to forgive they will separate themselves from everybody they encounter. Mm. Because if you get close to anybody, they will sooner or later say something, do something that's going to hurt you. And so it puts an emotional barrier between the two of you, and it will not go away with the passing of time. If they apologize to you, then the biblical response is you forgive them. You remove the penalty. You remove the emotional barrier. Now our relationship can go forward. If you don't forgive them, the barrier stays there. And it will build into a wall after after a period of time. If the person doesn't apologize to you, I like to use the word release. Mm. You release them to God. You say, Lord, you know what they did to me, and you know how they treated me. And I've gone to them, and I've explained it to them, and they don't agree, and they don't apologize. So I'm going to put them in your hands. You're releasing them to God. Mm. And you're putting them in good hands because God loves them. If they ever confess to God, God will forgive them. If they don't, then God judges them, the Bible says. So I think learning the practice of forgiveness is a skill that's absolutely necessary in adult life or teenage life to have good relationships. You will not have good relationships if you don't forgive. So that's a skill that we need to teach our kids before they get out of our house so that even as they get into marriage, they know how to do this. Right. And that means that we forgive our children, our teenagers. When our teenager does something that's horrible and, and we confront them and they apologize, we forgive them, mm. you know, and we move on down and the road. And we don't hold it against them the next day or pout yeah. or act. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. Yeah, and so much of what we're talking about really comes down to a spiritual foundation that we have and we're hoping we can impart or guide our kids to. You write about that in your book. This is a really big question for parents of teenagers. How do we guide them spiritually? How do we 
navigate alongside them their spiritual walk. Help yeah. help parents with that. I think one of the most important things in communicating our relationship with God to our children is modeling what we say we believe. I think the most sobering question I ever asked myself when my kids were teenagers is what if my children turn out to be like me in every area? What if they drive a car the way I drive a car? Oh, boy, you didn't have to go there, Jerry. (laughs) My wife right now has said, okay. (laughs) What if they handle anger the way I handle anger, you know? What if they treat their spouse eventually the way I treat my spouse? What if they treat their teenagers the way I treat them? You know, and just on down the line. Mm. It's a sobering question, but if you honestly ask that question, you get an answer. Yeah. <laughs> and you will know where you need to change. I mean, I read that toward the back of your book. Yeah. yeah. What a great gut check. Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't like your answer, guess what? Change it. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Because they're going to be far more impressed and far more impacted by what they see in our lives than by what we tell them. Mm. We can teach them whatever, all the biblical things. We can teach them. But if they don't see it in our lives, they're not likely to respond to it. <laughs> I feel like I did a pretty good job of laying the foundation spiritually for our kids when they're little. We did a phenomenal Like job. reading the Bible, like bringing Jesus and God into the everyday part of life. And yet, I remember asking our young adult children, like, what do you guys remember of me teaching? And I was so depressed, Gary, because there wasn't a lot that they remembered of actual Bible teaching. But they did say, Mom, the thing that we remembered is you prayed all the time and you read your Bible. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's a good thing. Because they see my dependence, my need for Jesus. And also we talked about earlier, apologizing, asking forgiveness. They knew I did that a lot. And so I think as parents, that's a really good thing to remember, like, what are we modeling? I remember sitting at the dinner table thinking, do I have anything to share with my kids of what God has taught me today? Yeah. And when there was a long gap, I thought, I need to be in the Word. I need to be connecting with God more so I have something to pour out to them. Yeah. I know that um, my perspective might be wrong on why so many young people are walking away from church these days. Gary, I'd love to hear your thoughts. My thought is it isn't so much about doctrine or theology. It can be a little bit. I think it's more about modeling. They're seeing the way we live, and they're like, I don't don't buy it. Yeah. No, I I think you're right. For example, you know, from my perspective, the central lifestyle theme of a Christian is serving others. You know, Jesus said about himself, Mm. I did not come to be served. I came to serve and give my life a ransom for others. So if the parent is modeling a servant's attitude in all of life, the teenager sees that. They don't forget that. And that's why, you know, I would take our children with me on some of the service things, you know, going to the food pantry. Y'all like to go with me? I'm going to go over and pack food and, yeah. Yeah, they go. They remember that, you know. They remember uh, when I would take them uh, in the fall of the year in North Carolina, leaves are all over everywhere. And I'd get them in the car and say, we're going to go find somebody that's older that hasn't got their leaves raked. And I'd knock on the door and say, hi, I'm Gary Chapman. I live down the street here, and I'm trying to teach my children how to serve. And we would like to rake your leaves if it would be all right. 
And they would say, say what? <laughs> and I'd repeat my little story. And we never had anybody that wouldn't let us yes. rake their leaves, okay? And I bet you didn't. And the kids would rake the leaves, and then they'd jump in the leaves. The teenagers, you know, they were young teenagers when we were doing it, jumping in the leaves and all that. And uh, we, then we'd drive home and say, how, how do you guys feel about having helped some people? Oh, Dad, that was so fun, you know. So they see you serving others in whatever ways, you know, you're equipped to serve others. And that makes a tremendous impact on them. And after all, if they know God, you know, if they come to the place where they put their faith in Christ, there's no greater satisfaction than this serving other people. You know, I was walking across the campus of the University of Virginia. I was going to be speaking in Cabell Auditorium. And a side door into that auditorium, etched in stone above the door with these words, you are here to enrich the world and you impoverish yourself if you forget the errand. And I thought, man, what if every university had that as a theme? Yeah. <laughs> but that's what Jesus demonstrated himself. I was going to say, those you know? are the words of Christ. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's why I, I say our model is so important in teaching them the central motif of the Christian life is we're here to serve other people. And both of them now as adults, that's what they do. I mean, she's a medical doctor. You know, she mm. delivers high-risk babies, and she identifies with these mothers who are struggling. And my son works with kids on the street. You know, he has for years, and people that nobody else would have time for. Which would make sense because your whole life has been dedicated to serving people. Yeah. You started out serving troubled teens, and yeah. you said you even took your son with you. Yeah to do yeah. that. Yeah. What's your love language? Words of affirmation. Okay. Yeah. And my You're wife... amazing, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> awesome having you on here. Nobody better. And my wife is acts of service, so I've got to get home and take the trash out. <laughs> but I think by you modeling, you've every time we've been with you, you've shared stories about people that you've reached, troubled kids that needed help, that needed a parent, and you were there. And so you've modeled that all along the way for your kids, and now their lives have been dedicated to serving others. Yeah. That's really well done. I remember, again, it was our youngest spring break, his senior year in high school, and instead of going on some crazy party deal with all these kids, we said, hey, let's do a trip, and you can take a buddy. So Cody took Matt, and we went, I don't know, where did we go? We went on a cruise. Yeah, we went on a cruise. And anyway, we ended up in Florida probably before the cruise or after. All I remember is in this rental car. We're driving to the airport or something, and somehow I made a wrong turn, and we ended up in this little cul-de-sac. And there was a woman in a car stuck in sand. She mm. couldn't get her car out of sand. Now, I'm from Michigan. I've never seen this. I'm like, snow, I can rock your car out of snow. I've done it many times. But sand, right? And so uh, we drove right by her, and I stopped. And I said, hey, I think she's stuck. Let's go back and help. And they're like, what? What do you mean help? I'm like, I don't know what their situation is, but it looks like she's in a snowdrift, yeah. and she can't get out. <laughs> and so we pile out of the car, and both of them are like, we're going to go help some strange lady. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to try. And we go back there. And, of course, they're both high school football players, yeah. and they ended up pushing this lady out. And it was just like getting out of snowdrift. Yeah. We get her out of the out of snowdrift. And these out two the guys sand. are big football players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're <laughs> muscle-bound. They're going to play college football. And we get back in the car. And I'm not kidding. I don't know what you think, Ann. Of the entire spring break trip, including this incredible cruise, that's the memory 
that I have and yeah. they had. When we yeah. all got back in the car, we were like cheering. Yeah. It yeah. was just this endorphins. It, we yeah. were excited like, wow, we actually helped some stranger <laughs> lady out of just a simple sand thing. Yeah. But like you said, it is that act of serving others brought something to our soul. So you're yeah. saying as a parent, when we model that and get our kids involved in that, it's going to do the same thing for them? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. You know, Certainly, reading the scriptures to them, you know, as they're growing up and having them in a youth group at church, all that's very, very positive. You know, they're hearing all those things at church and other things. But our model in, in serving and other things, our model of the way we live our lives is going to have the greatest impact on our teenagers. Mm. And those are the things they're going to look back and they're going to remember. Well, what that does, too, it takes their eyes off of themselves, which as teenagers, it's yep. easy to be looking at themselves a lot. And that takes us into that mental health or emotional health area where parents are talking about this so much because their kids are depressed. They're dealing with anxiety. They're not sure how to help. And you talk about this in your book, too of even how the love languages can impact that. Yeah. If the teenager feels loved, first of all, I mean, I think that's one of the most fundamental emotional needs that a child has is to feel loved. And if we understand their love language and they give heavy doses of that love language and we sprinkle in the other four because we want the child to learn there's more than one way to love, you know, uh, and that child feels loved. And then they have a demonstration in front of them every day of how to live the Christian life, what this looks like. It's a life of serving other people. And we bring them into those service things so they get to experience what you were just talking about earlier, of helping other people. Because part of the thing with teenagers is they're trying to find meaning to life. Why am I here? What's this all about? Well, it's all about serving other people, you know, from the Christian perspective. So if we can help them do that, they feel good about themselves after they've done it. You know, when they push the lady out of the sand, they're feeling good about themselves. Mm-hmm. And they realize, oh, man, this is wonderful. So then they start looking for places where they can serve. So, yeah, we're, we're teaching them by our model to follow Jesus. And we're acknowledging that the reason we are doing these things is because we're followers of Jesus. You know, we've given our lives to him. And we're his representatives in the world, and we're here to make the world a better place. If they get that image and that picture, they're far more likely to follow through uh, with what they've been taught. Now, did you ever have to go into your son or daughter's bedroom at night after you blew it as a bad model and say, I'm sorry? You know, I don't remember going into their bedroom and doing that, but I do remember Tell them I'm sorry yeah. on several occasions, but I tried to do it pretty quickly after I'd done it. <laughs> so don't wait till bedtime. Don't do wait it. till bedtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just if you realize you've done wrong, maybe walk around the block if you need to to cool <laughs> off, but then come back and say, I won't apologize to I you. I think Dave brought that up because I would apologize to my kids right I away. I wasn't thinking of you. <laughs> I was thinking of me. <laughs> no, but then what happens as a parent, I think, I don't know if men do this, but I do this as a mom. I blew it. I apologize. I asked for their forgiveness. But then I go to bed and I just can't get over it. Mm, Like, mm. you know, I hear that self-condemnation. What kind of mom would do that? So then I would go back into the room, apologize again. One of our sons wrote about it in the book because I said I just couldn't get out of that rut of feeling like I'm a terrible mom. What kind of parent would do this? And that son said, I don't know why my mom kept coming back in. She apologized. I forgave her right away, (laughs) but I couldn't get over the guilt. How would you encourage parents with that? I was speaking in a prison one night, local prison, 
and they invited the wives to come in with the men, and I did a marriage thing. And in the Q&A, this father said, he was the prisoner, he said, uh, Dr. Chapman, uh, I've uh, asked God to forgive me, and I know he has, and my wife here has forgiven me, and my sons have forgiven me, but what I want to know is how do I forgive myself for all the pain that I caused other people? And I'd never heard that question before. And I think God just gave me this. <laughs> Here was my answer. I said, okay, stand in front of a mirror and talk to yourself. And just say, self, you blew it. You blew it big time. And you hurt a lot of people, self. But a holy God has forgiven you because of Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. And, you know, parents sometimes say to me, when their child has done something really, really bad and they're in prison or they've gotten somebody pregnant or whatever, and they say, here's what they say in my office, Dr. Chapman, what did we do wrong? Hmm. And I say to them, God himself had two children named Adam and Eve, and they blew it. And they had a perfect father. Hmm. So don't take all the blame for the decisions your adult children make. Because they can make decisions, poor decisions with good parents. Now, if you know some things where you fail them, fine. You go apologize to them. But don't just automatically take all the blame on yourself for the poor decisions that your adult children make. We want to thank David Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Interesting mentoring a younger couple or being mentored yourself? Check out Power to Change's mentoring initiative designed to help you avoid those pitfalls we all can fall into. Email radio at powertochange.org.au or go to our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Helping Couples tab to get started today. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.